All right, the uh, scripture reading for today um, is from the book of Deuteronomy, uh, in chapter 8, verse 11 through 20. Is somebody at the back door? No, okay. Take care. (laughs) Sorry. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Amen. Everyone's moving further, further back. All right, so I'm sorry that you got me. I thought I was done for the year and you could hear other voices, but Chris decided he couldn't come today. So you got me. Um, we're, gonna, we're doing through this little series called Through the Lens of Worship. Um, and we've given each person just the freedom with the broadness of that topic to talk on something. And you know, Brian did that outstanding talk on the, the parable of the shrewd manager. And what did we learn from that? Is that we, need, we shouldn't be shrewd like the world is shrewd. That's not the way of God. There's, a, there's another way in God. And then Alan Frau came for two weeks and he did the one on worship and rest. I think I've got more feedback from that than most things. I think it touched a nerve in people's hearts. Again, if you haven't heard these, they are on our podcast. So find the Mercy Town podcast, and they are there. Then he came and did one through John chapter 4, which is a seminal kind of text on worship. And then Matt Larson came last week and spoke about generosity and giving as part of our worship. And what I want to do today is speak about gratitude. Um, and I'm hoping that you'll really listen. I want this to be a little bit practical at the end. That I want you to go home with a little bit of homework, things to do. Um, so that would help us along the way. So gratitude, thanksgiving, that sort of understanding. In Psalm 42, verse 6, or verse 5, sorry. I think I gave you verse 6. I think it's verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me. And I, I just hazard a guess that 
most of us, as we live in a, in a world that's a little chaotic, and it's getting seems to get more chaotic by the day, we find ourselves in that space where you, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you don't want to get out of bed. I mean, um, and you, you feel like you're working your butt off, and at the end of the day, it's like you're just exhausted, and you're like, what are we, what are we getting for all this labor? It's like, Ugh. You know, in the old days, imagine you could just go to New York for a week and, and, and work there. It would be wonderful. And I was t- speaking to Tom. He said, I couldn't wait to just get home. Life is, life is all over the place. And I, I think that God has given us some, some tools, some things to help us live each day with this understanding of who he is so that we can have victory. Um, here's a little experiment for you to do. Um, tomorrow morning when you wake up, and you interact with people for the first time, let the first words from your mouth be, um, man, life is hard. Things are so hard. I just had a terrible sleep. Breakfast was awful. I'm just not sure how this week's going to go. Huh? That's, let those be the opening words of your mouth. Huh? And then on Tuesday when you wake up, the first time you inter- interact with a person, say, wow, isn't today a good day? feel so good about today. And just see how your day shapes up according to the way that you shape it when you wake up. Because I think we have, we have so much power in Jesus to actually shape our days by the way that we begin. And most often we begin with a negative. I, I try and listen to people. How, how was your week? Often people start with a negative. 90% of the time, people start with a negative. They might get to a positive, but they start with a negative. How was your, how was your, how was your week? Man, it was a rough week with the kids. How was your week? Man, the hours at work were just long. How was your week? My boss just irritated me. How was your week? My husband or my wife just drove me crazy. It, that's how we, we speak. And I want us to begin over a period of time to ask the Lord by His Spirit, to shape the way that we, we speak. Because this thing is powerful. James tells us this, the tongue has so much power in it. Um, I'm going to read from Colossians quickly. There are two beautiful texts that when Paul's writing to these letters to these Christians in churches that he established, he says this in Colossians 3, verse, I'll start in verse 12. Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. How was your day today, Dan? Oh, it was amazing. I was able to forgive Becca or this or imagine. Whoa, what, 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 what happened? Just the routine of life, but I felt... You're just shifting your speech a little bit. So you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What? with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father 
through him. Whatever you do, give thanks. But I don't feel like giving thanks. Life sucks. No, learn to give thanks. We're going to cover why in a moment. God, this is challenge to live a life that full of gratitude, full of thankfulness for a multitude of reasons that we can discover. In 1 Thessalonians, I, I, did, I preached on this years and years ago. In verse 16, he says, Rejoice always. When is always? Always is always. Rejoice always. Pray in the mornings. What does it say? Pray without ceasing. And give thanks when you feel happy. No, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God for my life? To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Now you can say, well, Paul's a little, a little off. He, he wasn't aware of what the world would be like 2,000 years later. I don't think so. I think there's something in a, in a spiritual life that God wants us to get a hold of. You see, it's in all circumstances that we give thanks. That means we have to live a life, reading life differently from the way that everyone else reads life. We have to look at life and say, what is good about it so that I can give thanks, rather than look at what's bad about it that I can grumble. Because other places of the Bible says, do everything without grumbling. You see, when you give thanks, I believe, and I've been trying to test it this week, if you live a life of thankfulness, of gratitude, and let that come, I think it deals with, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Because I think we've forgotten to be thankful for all the things that have come our way. And when we are downcast in soul, and when we live a life that's not rich in gratitude, we are, we are on the side of the enemy of worship. If you're not grateful, if you're not full of thankfulness, it's hard to worship. Then it becomes the sacrifice of praise, and you feel like, oh, I've got to do this. But when there is thankfulness in your heart, then worship is a natural outflow of that. More gratitude will not come from acquiring more things or greater experiences, but from more of an awareness of who God is, God's presence, and His goodness. I think, I think gratitude is a byproduct of a way that we see. Can I say that again? I think gratitude is a byproduct of a way of seeing things. And hopefully as we get into this, we'll, we'll speak a little bit. Now this little, next little section I, I stole from John Ortberg. It is so good. It is so good for me. You might find it totally boring. It was, it was, it was like honey to my soul. Um... But he speaks about three elements that we need to be aware of that help us live this life of gratitude. And so, to, using Latin rather than Greek today, the Latin word for good, does anyone know? Lawyers, sorry? Bene. The Latin word for good is bene. And so we have these great words that we use in the English language that we just throw out but we need to understand what they mean. So these three elements to help us in understanding gratitude, the first is benefit. 
bene fit in the Latin. It means a gift that is good. Now, I'm going I'm to touch on this later when we get to another word. But when you get a job, one of the things you look for are the benefits. benefits. I want to tell you that those, it's a wrong word because they're not, they're not a gift to you. They what you earn, what you work for, so that you can get a benefit. A benefit actually is a good gift that has nothing to do with you earning it. It's a good gift. That's what it means. But it's been hijacked. So you can have your salary, but you need your benefits. No, benefits today are tied to your salary, to your earning. And some people want jobs more for the benefits than they do for the actual for the salary. Because the benefits cost you so much if you don't have them. Psalm 103, and this was a text that um, Chris was, I think Chris was going to speak on when he was here, so I thought I'd incorporate it so you think it's Chris. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Here's an antidote. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Here's what they are. Who forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Forget not all his benefits. These are good gifts that God gives us, that he bestows upon us. And the good gift of eternal life, the good gift of his son Jesus, the good gift of the Holy Spirit, the good gift of his people, a family. Sometimes we feel it's not a gift at all, but a curse. But it's actually meant to be a good gift. Element one of beginning to understand gratitude is this, there's a benefit. But if you just have a benefit and leave it on its own, it's nothing. A, bene, a benefit needs a benefactor. I've often prayed just for a rich, rich benefactor who will just let me do my own thing. What's a benefactor? It's one who does good. So for us to receive the benefits of God, we have to understand there's a benefactor. He's our Father in heaven. He's working through His Son, Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. There's a benefactor, one who does good gifts, um, who does good things. And I think it's important for us to see as we want to understand gratitude that the good things that happen to us are not just random acts. They're not just accidents. They're things that God is deliberately doing toward us. Even the sun rising in the morning is a good act by God, by a benefactor to bring warmth and light into our world. And the sun goes down. It's a good act by a good person so that we know it's time to rest. Is that right? James, chapter 1. Do not be deceived, verse 16, my beloved brothers, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, 
with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift comes from God. So to understand the way that we live, changing the way that we see life, because gratitude is a byproduct, if, if they, that, that line I gave you, gratitude is a byproduct of a way of seeing things. So now we are seeing the benefits that God has toward us, eternal life, relationship with Father, adoption into his family to become sons and daughters, everything that goes with that. There's a benefactor, there's there's a father who actually does that toward us. It's not just evolutionary toward us. You know, if you, over time, the life just gets good. No, goodness comes because God is gracious and pours things upon us. But then there's a third part. There's a benefactor, a benefit, and what do you need? Who's the person who receives? A beneficiary. Laura's on point tonight. Woo! There's a beneficiary, which means one who receives a good gift. So you've got one who gives a good gift, you have a good gift, and you have someone who receives a good gift, a beneficiary. And this is where I want to spend a little bit of time. You can't be grateful for something you believe you're entitled to. You can't be grateful for something that you think you're entitled to. When you get your salary, direct deposit, every two weeks, however you get it, you, the next morning you go into your boss and you, thank you so much, boss, for the kindness that you extended toward me for giving me that great gift of my salary. Thank you so much. No, you don't do that. You've earned it. You've worked for it. Is that right? If you think you're entitled to something, there's no need for gratitude. It doesn't say you might never feel a little bit thankful, but as an overwhelming thing, you will never have gratitude for something you're entitled to. And often we look to our own resourcefulness and think that we are entitled to what we should have because our hands work hard at this. And I honestly think that some of the anxiety that we see in our world today is around this thing that we feel that we're entitled to stuff and we're not getting it. And why are they getting it? And why am I not getting it? And I'm doing the same work. I'm working harder. They're working less. Why, 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 why? And it causes great anxiety. There's another verse Paul writes. says, be anxious for nothing. Jesus, they said the same. Be anxious for nothing. How can you live like that? You can only live like that, that when you see that the, the, the really important things in life, the things that will stand the test of eternity are things that have been given to us and they create gratitude in our hearts rather than a sense of entitlement. Gratitude comes from a place of humility. When you've earned something, you don't have to be humble about it. You earned it. When Usain Bolt won the 100 and the 200 and the 100 relay, and he's standing by, there's nothing humble about that. He earned it. He worked hard. Sure, he got given gifts. He's got fiber twitching that's different from my fiber twitching. And he could be thankful, but he also worked hard. There's nothing humble there. It's just like, Look at me. I honestly think, and I'm, I say this with, 
with care and with caution that the root of the American dream and its downfall is tied into this issue of entitlement. That we're entitled to happiness and better life and whatever. What's, what's the amendment say? That one. We, we're entitled. It's an entitled. We no longer think that it's a gift. It's like, no, I'm entitled to it. Laura, it's like gold star night for Laura. There you go. See, I was, I was being led by the Spirit towards... I'm grateful for Laura tonight, for her knowledge of Latin. So think, I'm going to say this, think about it, that the default mode of a sinful heart in a sinful race is entitlement. I'm entitled. I've said a few times to kids in San Marino, I go to San Marino High School, I'm sure it's true everywhere, I said, if you were to go to South Africa and act like you act like this, you'd be dead in five minutes. Because an entitled person doesn't have to look left or right when they cross the street. They just walk because the law says they have right of way. It doesn't matter where you walk. It doesn't matter if you walk out between two trucks. It doesn't matter. You are entitled to walk, and if someone hits you, it's their fault. A little trip to South Africa would change your attitude real, really quickly, because you'd be dead. One, you'd look the wrong way, because it's the other way. But, <clears throat> but you'd be dead because they don't stop. They don't even stop if you're in a crosswalk. But we have an entitlement. It's, I'm, I'll do it. And in fact, I'm going to test and see if someone will bump me, because I'm entitled. Therefore, I'll just sue, and I'll just get money. And I'm entitled to a better life. If I can't get it one way, I'll, just, I'll find a way to sue somebody. It's all tied into this idea of entitlement. The worship of me rather than the worship of God. Entitlement says I'm the important one in, the, in this whole equation. Now, I hazard a guess we're all entitled in some form. We are privileged people. We are entitled. I think God wants to unentitle us a little bit. And sometimes God brings hardship our way because he wants us to realize a thing or two. We don't want hardship. That text from Deuteronomy is all about entitlement. When I come into the land and suddenly I've got all this blessing, my crops are growing, I have a house and I have a garden and I have all these things, I say to him, look at what my hands have done. And I forget it was the Lord, my God, who one gave me the ability to even do it. And he says, if you forget that, what's he saying? Hardship's going to come. I think that God wants us to, in this, added, in this place of coming to a place of gratitude, is to say he wants to deal with entitlement. I'm, I'm owed. I'm owed. The bigger the sense of entitlement, the smaller the sense of gratitude. So here's another test. You've got a bunch of tests, little things to do, experiments. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and say negative things for the first hour and see how it shapes your day. The next day, say positive things, how it shapes. Third experiment is for the next week, just as you interact with people, see how many people say thank you. 
How many people say please? You'll be surprised. If you're entitled, you don't have to say thank you. Because I'm owed. You don't have to say thank you. Romans 1. So Paul writes in that first chapter of Romans, which is a scary chapter, actually. verse 21 for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things and therefore God gave them up to whatever they wanted. I won't read the rest. We forgot God. We forgot to be thankful. We put something else in the place of God. And I want to say that generally the thing that we put in the place of God is ourselves. It's not an animal or something, you know. It's we put ourselves in the place of God because we're entitled. I think God wants to change that just a little bit. So there's a great word that's in the Bible that we use to help us. It's the word remember. Remember. Or in some plays, it's, it's forget not. Forget not all his benefits. Which What's saying? Remember his benefits. Forget not. I think it's a foundation to thanksgiving. Actually, when we come up to this feast of thanksgiving in 10 days' time, we are remembering are we not? It's a remembering time. We remember, therefore we give thanks. And in Psalm 42, which we read, there's a whole, that, that whole psalm, there's a whole lot about remember, remember, remember. Psalm 103 that we read, it's all about remember, remember. Deuteronomy 8, remember, forget not, remember. And we have very short memories. The Jews had very short memories. It only took them, what, 40 days to build the golden calf. They got so quickly impatient waiting for Moses. Oh, you know, they had brought them out. They'd seen all these miracles. They'd seen all this stuff, seen all his provision. They'd seen all this. In a short time, they forgot and built a golden calf. Each day is an opportunity to remember. And on day two, because day one, tomorrow, you've got to start with a bad day. Everything's bad. You've got to say bad things. See how it affects your day. See how many of you do it. The next day is say good things, but remember. Remember the good things that have happened. Remember. I don't think, I haven't forgotten the day I, I became a Christian. I haven't forgotten. It was a great day. I remember it quite, quite well. I think about it often. But I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't. He found me. I remember that day. It had nothing to do with me. I want to remember, remember. 
And when I remember, there's that gratitude that comes. It says, oh, I'm, I'm going to trust God because he's done this for me. The heart of worship is this ability to be full of gratitude, remembering what God has done for you. So we can do some training. There's more work to be done. Some training. Take a moment this week and think of a person that you feel thankful toward. And write them a, a letter, a gratitude letter. And think it through. Write it well. Not just a little card, you know, like, hey, Dan, so, so thankful that you fixed our website. I am. But write, write a letter to somebody. It can be on a card. It doesn't have to be long, but just write something that's, and think it through. That I am grateful for this person. Think you can do that? The second part to that is invite them for a meal or coffee and read it to them. Word for word. You don't have to, but it'll be a good thing. Because you see, when I sit down and I begin to write, and I'm so, I just, I'm so grateful for this and I write, but when I get with the person, what I tend to find is, like anybody else, we get embarrassed. It's like, I feel embarrassed. But if you've written it out, now you read it to them, you've given a lot of thought to this. And see what happens. that bad, Becca? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just write a gratitude letter to somebody. doesn't have to be this, anybody that you feel like, I'm so grateful for this. And the second bit thing that I want you to do, it is another bene word that we do at the end of every meeting. What is it? Benediction. These ones are looskies. They're on it tonight. Benediction. It's the saying of good things. Using words to say good things. That's what a benediction is. And the Hebrews, the Jews, used to have a system of benedictions. Where they would, throughout the day, say things like, Blessed are you, Lord, for this. You go look at some of those Psalms we read. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, and forget not all. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. It's a form of benediction. It's good speaking good things. That's what a benediction is. It's connecting a gift to the giver. So the Hebrew term for gratitude, I hope I can pronounce it. I looked it up. Is the word hikarat hatov. Hikarat hatov, which means recognizing the good. Hikarat hatov. To recognize the good. So when I'm grateful, I am recognizing the good. And then I speak the good. I am so grateful for that. Blessed are you, Aaron Wazalewski, for taking on the role of leading our home group. Blessed are you. I'm speaking, hopefully, a good word. Maybe he thinks, I don't want to lead a home group. It's a bad word. But you're speaking a good word. 
And so the Hebrews had this pattern in their spiritual lives of during the day having these moments where they would stop and blessed are you, Lord, for this. Blessed are you, Lord, for that. They used to do it 18 times a day. As a remembrance of the goodness of God that caused them to live a life more grateful. So maybe you could take out your phone, not right now, but you can if you want, create three timers in your day. Just go beep, blessed are you God for my family. So grateful or something. Just learning to switch the way that you view the world with and beginning to speak words of gratitude, remembering God Remembering that you are the recipient of his kindness and remembering the goodness that he's given to you, whether it's the it's salvation or he, whatever it is. And you speak it out. We're not speaking out the power of positive thinking, you know, tongue. No, we are taking the good things of God and learning to acknowledge them. So it shapes the way that we think that hopefully our life begins to be more a life of looking for opportunity for gratefulness rather than looking for an opportunity to grumble. Because this life is full of the opportunity to grumble. You don't have to do those exercises if you don't want to. No one's going to check up. But what I do want to encourage you is to find a way that you can begin to shift the pattern of your life. That I can begin to find a way to shift the pattern of my life to one where I express gratitude for my day and for who I am and what I have rather than the grumble. It's a way of seeing. It's a way of looking at life. It doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard and receive things because you worked hard and received a salary. It's got nothing to do with that. But you could say, blessed are you, Lord, for giving me the ability to think logically that I can have this job. Blessed are you, Lord, for giving me a creative spirit that I can have this job. Blessed are you, Lord, for giving me incredible taste buds that I can taste coffee. Blessed are you, Lord, that you've given me the ability to see the lives of people and put it together in film. Blessed are you, Lord, that you've given me the ability to be rational and to be a lawyer. Blessed are you, Lord, that you've given me the ability to have kids and I'm a mom, a dad. Blessed are you, God. It's a way of looking. rather than a way of grumbling. And when we come together in community, when we come together as one, we, we, we come to speak about the goodness of God rather than, whoa, woe is me, why am I downcast on my soul? doesn't mean you're never downcast. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I'm not looking for pep rallies all the time. Ooh, and we're never downcast. That's not what we're saying. We're looking for those moments where sometimes when you are to be able to s remember the goodness of God so that you can your way out of that. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Do you think it's difficult? I don't think it's difficult. Uh, maybe it's very difficult. Let me say this maybe just in closing. You don't always feel grateful. In fact, mostly you don't feel grateful. That's it. Most of us just feel, well, yeah, life's a grumble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eeyore. You know, I wanted to do a whole series on Winnie the Pooh. Years ago, and I actually wrote down all the basic notes because each, that's, that's the church. The, the, the cast of Winnie the Pooh 
is the church. I am Tigger. <laughs> well, I used to be Tigger. Maybe I'm more Eeyore now. You know? Because some of you just don't want to engage. You just sit on your tree. Just watch. Winnie the Pooh is a beautiful picture of the church. Please don't be Eeyores. If you Eeyore by yourself, you get, it's upsetting. That's why Eeyore needed Tigger. We need community sometimes just to come alongside us and say, no, life is good. Oh, I'm so, I just don't like my job. Remember, you have a job. And you can pay your bills or something. You know, just sometimes we need that. Come alongside us. So before we sing again, before we come and break bread, which I'm going to hand over to Brian to do in a moment, I want us to do an exercise. I'm going to ask you to be bold. Could you think you could do that? This is family, right? This is we we like. I think we like each other. From time to time, we maybe we don't. But mostly we like each other. It's just hopefully this is a safe environment. Maybe you could just right here, like popcorn, just stand up and say, blessed are you, Lord, and say something you're grateful for and sit down. And the, the shy one, I don't want to do that. You don't have to. No one's going to force you. All right? But yes, there's a rule. I'm setting a rule in place. You, it's not an essay. It's not a speech. It's a moment for you to stand up, say, blessed are you, Lord, for this, and sit down. Is that all right? Like a sentence. See, you can do that. And let's be bold. We'll do it, you know, while we, we all looking at each other and, um, and feel embarrassed and we'll laugh because that's all okay too. This is it's community, you know. Is that right? And then we're going to break. I'll hand over to Brian, and then we'll worship. Esme. Wonderful. Blessed are you, Lord, for the cool weather. entitled to it. <laughs> Blessed are you, Lord, for giving Linda stickability. She stuck with me for 33 years.
might seem like a silly exercise or whatever it is, but actually if we begin to think through these things and actually begin to acknowledge, it can change the way that we think about things. And we remember the goodness that God has done toward us. Front. Terry said, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks back that it's amazing how no matter which sermon we do, what we talk about, somehow it ties into the Lord's Supper. Um, but this week actually seems too simple. Um, the Roman Catholics call this the Eucharist. Um, well, what they do that's similar. So we call it the Eucharist, which, Laura, meaning? It's the root word for uh, thanks. It's Thanksgiving in Greek. Um, same root as Thanksgiving. So we're literally doing something about Thanksgiving now. Um, and there's just there's two things to note as we do this. One is that, as Terry said, we remember for Thanksgiving. When Jesus was at the last night and he was doing this meal, he said to do this in remembrance of me. God does not expect us to be thankful in some weird vacuum. Um, through the entire time of the Old Testament, he's constantly pointing back to his deliverance out of Egypt. Like he has removed people and rescued them and that's why they're supposed to be thankful. That's why they're supposed to know how they're to read their current circumstances. Because the God who is their God right then is the God who rescued their people out of Israel. Um, we don't need to look back out of Israel, out of Egypt. We don't need to look back to that because we have the greater version of that. We have Jesus who's rescued us from sin. So one thing we do is we do this in remembrance of him. As Terry has given us homework to do through the week to practice this, we have right now a moment to practice it immediately, um, to come and be thankful and remember this. Paul says that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he come. We proclaim the reason we have to be thankful, that a death was given that we could have life, that our God allowed himself to be disfigured and dishonored and to bear our shame that we would not have to. Um, but the other thing is what Paul captures in Corinthians when he talks about it and what's captured in each of the synoptic, synoptic gospels is that when Jesus is there, when he takes the bread, he gives thanks before he gives it. Each time it records and giving thanks, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And when Terry talks about entitlement, nothing kicks up entitlement for me like going through something rough. I can be, when things are rolling, I can usually accept that it's not all me and there's lots of stuff to be thankful for. But when I'm going through a hard time, those little bits of moments of time become my time that I'm entitled to. Um, the resources, the things I have become mine and I start to clutch to them tighter because of the pain I'm suffering over here. But this is Jesus the one who literally made the bread and whose death it was symbolizes still pauses to give thanks. So we have something to look to here. We have one who gave his life that we could, ha um, that we could be rescued and we do it in remembrance to remember that reason of gratitude, but we also see the life he gives. It's a life that when we face these hardships that we can still know who God is and what he'll give for us and give thanks even as we know what's going to be taken from us, even as we're facing a hard day. So please form a line and come and take of the bread and of the um, fake wine and 
Clancy is going to lead us in songs, but take it with a spirit of thanksgiving. Do this proclaiming his death. Not as some abstract concept, but as what has given to give you life. Give thanks for that. Thank you.